got a lot, I got robbed of a gold medal in the Olympics, which really basically me off. So I had something to prove. When you got something to prove, it makes it you a different fight. When I fought Hatton, I knocked Hatton out with 10 ounce gloves on. Stepping back when he was undefeated. The bank name is uh, well known. What's that? Can you smell that? Is that? Sounds like fear. You went out with Floyd Mayweather yesterday in London. What did you do? I don't know. What are you talking about? I didn't go. I was at home. Man. He's trying to bait me out for one. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the number one podcast in the sport where we're about to see the biggest fight since the last biggest fight, the last do or die fight for Anthony Joshua. Um, you know, Hearn is really working himself into the ground in terms of just being that that Joshua tub thumper cheerleader. And I'm not mad at that. I've always thought Joshua is like Eddie Hearn's hero. Do you ever, and I'll give you an example. If anyone wants to watch the, the rerun of Joshua Ruiz 1, just watch Eddie Hearn, because you can see him. He's right in front of the hard camera, right in the middle of the screen where the hard camera holds his position. And he looks like someone's girlfriend. Like he's nervous, you know, he's trying to trying to hide his emotions. But you can see, like, he looks like, literally like he's watching his lover fight. Now, I don't know if that's the case, but he definitely, he definitely sees AJ as a hero. He definitely sees him as Superman. And not, I don't want to say a role model. I don't know if that's what... Anthony Joshua is who Eddie Hearn wishes he could be. Big guy, in shape, can fight. Women throw themselves at him. Doesn't have to, I mean, knit or stitch hair into his head. He doesn't have to wear overly expensive suits. He gets things given to him. All of these things. And I guess that's who Hearn wants to be, right? You, a guy who's universally loved and accepted and respected. And you're seeing that in this fight week because Eddie's definitely come out swinging. But the guy we need to praise in this fight week is Johnny Nelson. You guys all remember, right? I know you definitely remember when I said Johnny Nelson's been the MVP for Sky and Boxer. And I said, Johnny is doing his job better than anyone else could do it. No one could out Johnny Johnny right now. And I said, there was a purpose behind what Johnny was doing. Now look at fight week. What are we talking about? We're talking about two things. Can, well, three things. Can Joshua beat Usyk? Can Usyk beat Joshua? Could Usyk beat Johnny Nelson? And I know it sounds ridiculous and people are probably laughing going, what kind of question is that? But that's what you want. You want as many talking points into fight week as you can because it's all going to drive the content. You're going to watch the video now where Umar says to Usyk, do you know about Johnny Nelson? Johnny wins again. He, he brings that heat. He brings that attention in a way that you're supposed to. Go back to guys like Jesse the Body Ventura, Bobby the Brain Heenan. This is what you do when you're a good heel. What makes it brilliant is Johnny's normally a nice guy, right? but he can slip into that, that heel persona so quickly, so fast. And it's been good to watch. It's been good to watch. 
And then Johnny's come up with the other one that if Joshua loses, he might have to retire. And I like how he's put pressure. So Eddie turns on Johnny, calls him a company man. I never know if Porky was the first guy to come up with that notion of the company man. Probably not, but he definitely popularized it. So it's another sign that Eddie listens to the streets. And then they ask Joshua. Joshua was far more measured. I think Joshua understands what Johnny Nelson was saying. And, you know, Joshua's not hero-worshipping himself like Eddie's hero-worshipping Joshua. And so you've got this tension. Will Sky interview Eddie Hearn? You know, will Dazone talk to Johnny Nelson? All of this stuff is happening in Jeddah as we speak. All of these tensions. But I think it's all for the cameras. I think generally there's backslapping, there's handshaking. Well, because... <laughs> Eddie's not going to fight Johnny Nelson, is he? Let's be realistic. But I think that's the Saudi build-up's been interesting. I haven't heard a country mentioned so many times in interviews. It's almost like everyone's under instructions to mention you in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. It's a little bit sinister, but it's nothing that boxing hasn't been through before. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, if I'm being honest. I genuinely don't know. And does it feel problematic? Not really, because they're always going to go where the money is. But there's been a lot of that. But there hasn't been the the normal kind of fire and brimstone you want before a fight week, because obviously there's a backdrop of the Ukraine conflict for Usyk. So I think he sort of played it a bit more somber. But it's going to lead us nicely into Saturday. And we're going to find out how good is Team Joshua? How good has this setup been? Was it worth the four weeks in Saudi Arabia? Was it worth having a, a 50-man team or whatever it is he's got? Did everyone add value in that team? So the real question is, what can he actually change? And to understand that, let's go back to his previous defeats, right? His previous professional defeats. And obviously one was probably more palatable to the fans than the other. I think history will show that Ruiz wasn't as good as that win made him out to be. But if you look at that fight, there were a couple of interesting things that came out of that fight. So if we go back to that fight, I always remember Joshua not looking focused. And there'd been rumors in the build-up that he'd been dropped in sparring, this, that, and the third. But that shouldn't affect your ability to concentrate. Um... If, you, if you've followed me for long enough, you'll know I think the greatest skill a boxer can have is the ability to concentrate for the duration of the fight, from the build-up all the way through to the press conferences. Can you concentrate? Can you concentrate with the intensity and the focus that's needed? A lot of people can't. If you don't believe me, next time you're in a gym, watch people hitting the bag. How many people can hit the bag consistently? with tempo and intensity for three minutes and then do it again and again and again. Most people can't. You'll find most people who hit the bag three or four times, take a step back, walk around to reset and go again. Most people don't have the concentration to work that way. And so when I was watching Joshua in that first fight and he just looked uneasy and he looked like he didn't believe in himself, because most people who believe in themselves will just look at the opponent. That's what you do in a fight. You just look at your opponent. He steps left, you look to your right. He steps right, you look to your left. He doesn't escape your gaze. And once it starts, it starts. But that beginning 
was a concern because if you remember, it was the same thing in the Usyk fight. Do you remember him leaning over to Clifton Mitchell and Clifton had the, the what was it, like a, like a cream suit on? And he's there talking to Clifton and Clifton looks like, why are you talking to me? And then he's like, yeah, this is what I'd do, mate. Yeah, yeah, you could do this. And Joshua's just doing that. I'm like, he wasn't focused for that one either. Now, we all almost have to go through his whole record and see, has he been playing at this all this time, knowing that his size, his strength and his power can get him out of most, most holes? And then when he came up against people, it didn't work against. That concentration began to affect him. Because for me, concentration is a big thing with Joshua. But if you look at that Ruiz fight, the first one especially, what Ruiz was really good at, and I think he was the first guy to do this to AJ, he didn't give him a retreating target. If you watch that whole fight, Ruiz did not give Joshua a retreating target. Ruiz would take one step back and come straight back forward. So he only moved back to evade a punch and then he was straight back to his fight distance, which was mid to short range, and he kept it there. And you could see with Joshua, he felt suffocated because there was, nothing was working. He couldn't faint. He couldn't do anything. Ruiz just stood there. And in shape and fully conditioned, Andrew Ruiz's ability to close the ring down is actually quite impressive. He managed to do it in a way that I've only seen Golovkin do. And that's not trying to make him out to be a Hall of Famer or anything. I'm just saying Golovkin applies that similar principle where he just stays right in front of you. No matter where you go, he stays right in front of you and says, you've got no thinking time. I think ultimately Ruiz's greatest failing was that he just could never throw enough punches. And, you know, he needed things to be perfect in order to attack. Otherwise, he just came in with desperate lunges, which were valuable. But also now look at Usyk. Usyk never offered a retreating target to Joshua. Never. Never. Go back to that first round of Joshua Usyk one. The speed Usyk was moving at in that first round was you don't see middleweights move like that. You don't. And Joshua got sucked in. Instead of taking that step back, going around the ring, having another look, he got, he got sucked into what Usyk was trying to do. And he paid for it later in the fight because he was shattered. Number one, number two, Usyk was able to then drain out all of that adrenaline, all of that hype that he had built up just by setting that impossibly fast pace for the first two rounds, which Joshua then tried to keep up with, but Joshua was far too big to do. Because again, it points to something not being right in camp and also Joshua's ability to concentrate and to think for himself in the ring. But what Ruiz did, I think... That set the template. If you can stay in front of Joshua, he struggles. He struggled with Takam when Takam was like, I'm just going to be right here. Yeah, these things are going to bounce off the side of my head. Some will bounce off the top of my head. But I'm just going to be right here. Because Joshua got into that groove of McCracken saying to him, keep it long. So Joshua always tried to find that space that would give him full extension for his one-two. And when you're not retreating, he finds it really hard because Joshua can't do it going backwards. He hasn't learned that yet. And not many can in the sport, to be honest with you. But I found that really interesting that Ruiz just stayed there for all seven rounds of the first fight. In the second fight, Joshua learned from that and just said, do you know what? 
if I've got a retreat, I'll retreat and I'll just live off the jab. Because when Joshua did that in the first fight, he was winning. Usyk won't let him do that, though. Usyk's too clever. If Andy Ruiz had the punch output um, Usyk did, he'd have won both fights easily. But Andy Ruiz is Jen, is a lazy guy who every so often can just hook it up for a couple of rounds and get it right. If you think back to that third round when Joshua dropped Ruiz, and I, I remember this clearly, it was the first time Joshua attacked with any kind of forward momentum and intensity. And he caught Ruiz because here's a heavy-handed guy just marching forward, throwing shots, and something was bound to happen. Was, was Ruiz a bit off balance? Maybe, but the punch did what it was meant to do. But as we keep saying, Andy Ruiz is defensively responsible and doesn't offer a retreating target. Normally when people are hurt against Joshua, they go backwards. Ruiz didn't. Ruiz stood there and said, we're going to fight. I'm going to punch with you now. Dropped him twice. Usyk nearly had Joshua out, if you remember, when they got into that firefight towards the end and Joshua was sticking his tongue out and then he was just happy that he made it to the end. But you could see that there's nothing left in the tank. He was just going on bravado and courage. And so the theme you're starting to build with Joshua isn't that he's not good. It's that he needs certain things to look his best. And smart opponents don't give that to him. He needs time and he needs space. And smart opponents will not give Joshua time and space. And to Joshua's credit, he's not a jab, jab, hold guy like Vlad is. I will, and I hope we don't see that on Saturday because that will be a terrible fight. And I don't even think that would help because Usyk, as Klitschko's sparring partner, has already seen that before. So that's not going to be a fresh look for him. It's not going to be anything surprising for him. And we can go. Pick, we can pick this apart round by round. But the core themes are, if you can suffocate Joshua, if you can make Joshua feel like he's in a phone booth, his whole game goes, it goes apart. It falls apart. And... Having seen the sparring partners he's got, they're not high work rate southpaws, right? Because some of them are really big guys and the other guys are quick, but they don't bring that intensity that Usyk does. You know, they they don't bring that, that in and out. And, you know, when you watch Usyk, you can understand what Johnny Nelson means when he says, Usyk's not a great southpaw. And once again, let's define it. Usyk's not a guy who rewrites the rules on being a southpaw, right? He does a few things really well. One, he can pull his head out to the right, bring it back to the left with a hook. He can bring his head out to the left, bring it back to the right with a straight left. Right? He doesn't really, he doesn't really bob. He just kind of slips and slides. He doesn't roll. There's, there's a lot of stuff he doesn't do. He doesn't pull back. There's a lot of stuff Usyk doesn't do. He doesn't have to, but he doesn't do it. He hasn't got amazing footwork. There's not loads of L steps. It's it's crude, but it's quick and it's effective. There's, there's a lot of stuff that Usyk does that's fundamentally brilliant, right? It's just solid meat and potatoes, as they call it in America. No bells and whistles, no special effects, but he doesn't need that. So I understand when people say he might not be the greatest Southpaw. No, his style's effective. 
But is that a style that would be effective as a light middleweight? No. Is it a style that would be effective as a light heavyweight? No. It works well against big guys. And that's all that he has to do. And so Usyk subscribes to one of my core principles. Pace will turn even the most accomplished boxer into a gibbering wreck. If you can set a pace that your opponent's not used to, doesn't matter what they did in camp, it will fall apart within three rounds. And that's what Usyk gambled on, and that's how he won. Josh's performance against Usyk wasn't bad, by the way. It, it, it actually wasn't bad. It's just that Usyk was better. You know, Joshua was landing straight rights. He, he didn't commit to them, and I think that's an issue. And hopefully Robert Garcia has got him committing to his shots. And I think he was almost too light on his feet. Like, there was no purchase from the canvas, so he couldn't really drive through those shots. Will he do that in this fight? I really, really hope not. I, I think this is just a two gloves up, move forward, shove him back, throwing shots, sort of like a George Foreman-style performance. That's what you're really hoping for. Not, not the first incarnation of George, probably the second incarnation of George when he came back in, was it 87? You know, because when you look at AJ, you go, how does Joshua beat Usyk? And I've talked about this before. If Joshua can dominate his left-hand side, he makes the fight hard for Usyk. But Usyk's foot speed is so much greater than Joshua's, it's going to be impossible. Like Joshua would literally have to retreat back, go all the way around to his left and come back. And I don't think Usyk will let him do that. So how do you do it if you're Joshua? Do you give up that dominant foot position and have Usyk on the outside of you to then land lead uppercuts, lead, let me lead uppercuts, lead hooks, jabs to the body. Is that how you want to do it? And then come around the outside with your right hand. I don't, these are things you have to experiment with in camp and see what Joshua can actually do. Right. Who's the closest, who's the closest in terms of nearly, well, not even nearly beating Usyk, but giving Usyk trouble. It was Bradus, right? And what did Bradus do that Usyk wasn't comfortable with? He mashed his foot speed. Now, I can't remember whether Bradus is or was a kickboxer or one of those kickboxing champions, but I think he had that sort of background. It was either kickboxing or taekwondo. And that's a massive advantage against someone like Usyk because kickboxers are used to being in and out hundreds of times in a round. And that's one of the things that would definitely unsettle Usyk because he likes the static target. He likes it when your feet hit the floor, your heels hit the ground. Then he's like, ah, oh, this is easy for me. Look at the first three rounds of Joshua. When Joshua was trying to keep up with him, it was a little bit harder for Usyk to land. He didn't really land a solid shot till the second round, which is rare for him. But that's what you'll see. I think you'll see Usyk come out in that first round, you know, the head will be moving side to side. He'll be trying to get that right hand over. The, yeah, here. Sorry, i say that again. He'll be trying to get his right hand over the top early. He'll be trying to find a home for that left hand. He might even go to the body this time because he didn't really exploit the body last time with Joshua. And that might be the route to stopping him. So looking at a sweeping left round the body, can he catch the liver with that? Imagine if he could. That'd be crazy. So uh, if I was advising Usyk, if I was training Usyk, I would be looking for a sweeping left to the body at some point as a surprise shot. Do a lot of work to the head. Keep you focused on the head shots. 
And as soon as the gap opens up, just sweep that round to the liver. Bang. And if it, do, if, if it doesn't drop him, it'll definitely take something out of the tank. Slow him down. And then once you slow Joshua down, wow. Then you just pick him apart. And then the question is, can Joshua try and bludgeon Usyk? Has Joshua really got it in him to bludgeon Usyk? Two gloves up, march him down, throw the hardest shots you can. We've seen the videos of Joshua knocking the life out of a bag. Why doesn't he do that in a fight? That's easier said than done, but you're an elite athlete. You're supposed to be able to do everything you do in the gym on fight night. That's what we pay for. We pay for that. You know, we don't pay for the motivational course. We don't pay for Joshua, I mean, turning into E.T. the hip-hop preacher. We don't, we, we don't pay for that. We pay for Anthony Joshua to do damage in that ring. And I worry that he won't be able to. Remember, I, I want Joshua to win on Saturday. I think it's just better for boxing. But if you've seen him in Saudi, he looks small. Smaller than we've seen him. And I go back to what Shane McGuigan said on, oh, what do you call it? On the George Groves podcast. No, it was on the Tris Dixon one. Sometimes you need that extra weight to hold a shot. And that's why Derek can withstand shots. And when Derek lost weight, he got knocked out. Maybe Joshua needs to be 17, 12, 18, 1 in that range. Maybe he needs to be that big to absorb the punishment and come back. Because he's never going to have 12-round stamina. Like he, He's just not built for 12-round stamina. You know, and I find... And I struggle with this idea when I hear we're going to make him slicker. He's going to be lighter on his feet. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. That last time that lasted for three rounds against Ruiz, it lasted for three rounds. It only lasts for three rounds. You know, you almost ask the question, has he ever switched off his amateur timer? And people, what's an amateur timer, Terry? So what happens? Like when you take amateurs to spar pros, yeah, and they've got to do six rounds in a row. They have three really good rounds and then they switch off. Completely switch off. And you'll see this. Whenever pros and amateurs spar, the amateur will have the first three rounds, the pro will have everything else. It's like a switch. Everything just goes off as if the body goes, well, we've had our fight. We're done now. And maybe that's what Joshua still has and it comes back to this point. Can he concentrate for 12, three-minute rounds? Can he concentrate? I don't know if he can because we don't see it. And what do I mean by concentration? You see when Usyk boxes, he's taking everything in. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? How do I counter that? Okay, you know, he's almost running mini experiments round after round. If I put my head here, what do you do? If I put my head here, what do you do? If I, if I faint to your body, what do you do? And as he's doing that, he's just computing to say, okay, these things will work. These things won't work. Fine. And he just works off that. I don't know if Joshua does that. It's almost like Joshua goes, did I knock him out? No. Try again. Did I knock him out? No. Try again. Did I knock him out? No. Try again. Why? Why? Lack of concentration. So what are you doing in camp to work on your concentration? Now that I've said this concentration thing, next time you watch a fight, watch how many times professional boxers at the elite level switch off. 
The greats don't. Canelo doesn't switch off. Golovkin doesn't switch off. Froch didn't switch off. Baturbiev doesn't switch off. A lot of guys don't switch off. Like the top guys don't switch off. But when you move down the ladder, a lot of guys do switch off. And that concentration goes. Normally because they're relying on their speed and power to get them out of trouble. Now, one of the things I think is a good idea to have like in camp and in fight week is you almost have like your your three key points, right? The three things you have to do. For this to be a successful camp, these are the three things you have to do on fight night. And if I was writing one for Joshua, it would be this. Deny Usyk the territory. Do not let Usyk freely move to his right. Yeah? At all costs. If you've got to hold him and shove him back, do that. Full clubber Lang style. If that's what you've got to do, do that. Because if you take that away from him, you take away about 70% of what he does. Easier said than done. But if you do that, that's super, super effective. And I always think back to the way Miguel Cotter was able to nullify Sergio Martinez, even though Martinez was on his last legs, literally. Martinez was still trying to find those spaces where he normally likes to attack, which is actually from the weaker foot position. So he likes to have his foot inside the, the orthodox guy. And Cotter just wouldn't let him. And then Mar Martinez's fight plan fell apart because Cotter was like, no, you're going to do it the traditional way. So for me, number one, above all else, is deny Usyk the space. You deny him the space, you deny him opportunity. And the second one I'd have was, would be, do not be a retreating target. Because all you will do is give Usyk's punch more snap. The best place to be for me is right on Usyk. And if it means that you've got to keep marching him backwards, so be it. I think one thing Derek did that was brilliant was he didn't retreat. And so Usyk had to work. And he had to work really hard. And I think that was reflected in the scorecards. Usyk had to work really hard to manage Derek. I'm not saying Derek was winning the fight. What I am saying is Usyk had to work to the best of his capabilities to manage that fight through. Because Derek was not a retreating target. And Usyk will find that really hard against someone like Joshua, who's a bit more explosive, taller, um, harder to control. And the third element is start to bring the shots up. You know, Usyk's head movement is fantastic. Um, so it's, but it's, it's side to side. He's not going to dip. Yeah, He's not going to dip. He's not really going to pull back. So shovel a few uppercuts. Yeah. Just like you did it with Vlad, just go, right, I'm going to go for it now. And you just launch one. Okay. Best case scenario, you smash him in the breastbone. Worst case scenario, he gets chinned. But Joshua did really do that. He didn't create angles to, to let those uppercuts go. Lead uppercuts, backhand uppercuts, it doesn't matter. Not many boxers are good at evading uppercuts. They're not good at managing uppercuts because they normally come out your eye line. So I'd like to see Joshua experiment a bit more with that. And you've got Roberto Garcia in your corner. So you should be able to let a few lead uppercuts go because a lot of his fighters can do that. Now, can you learn that in the, what, 11 months since they last fought? I don't know. But they'd be the three things I'd want. Now, people say, why don't you talk about stamina and stuff? That's his job, right? That's AJ's job. AJ's job is to be fit and in shape. 
the fights your bonus for doing that. So it's things that he has to do on Saturday night. Deny the space, do not be a retreating target, and bring the shots up. You may as well gamble, because Usyk's going to hit you anyway. You may as well gamble and throw some shots that he hasn't seen. I think Braid has had a lot of success with uppercuts as well. I'm not saying that he had Usyk in trouble. Maybe he did. But can you imagine Joshua letting those, those right uppercuts go? He theoretically could launch Usyk. So th there are ways Joshua could win. But a lot of things have to go right in order for him to win. Now, what do you write on, on Usyk's wall? You could just write, be better than Johnny Nelson, right? <laughs> you could just write that. Or you could just write, pace, pace, pace. And both would be equally useful for him. But I think if you're looking at Usyk, the first thing you write is pace. Yeah, Drive that pace through. Now, I don't know if at 35 he can do what he did at 34. We'll find out on Saturday. But we can be sure that he'll move faster than Joshua and he'll be more active than Joshua. And that's what he needs to do. Yeah, because that denies Joshua thinking time. It, Joshua has to just react. And when Joshua reacts, he's normally vulnerable. The second thing I would say is go to the body more. That fight went 12 rounds because Usyk didn't really go to the body. Like I said earlier, that sweeping shot to the liver will be good. A straight left to the solar plexus will be good. All those things that will just slowly debilitate Joshua over time. They would be good. And what you're able to do then is have him focusing on defending his body and his head. He's never been good at defending the body. But people are so scared of the headshots that they don't tend to go to his body. But when you do that, he tires quickly. And then I think the third one I'd write is be brave enough to go for the knockout. You know you can catch Joshua above the ear and he goes bandy. You know you can catch Joshua on the chin and he goes bandy. You know you can catch Joshua on the temple and he goes bandy. We, we know all of these things to be true. Usyk has that speed and that accuracy to do that. And I'd like to see a bit more precision now. You know, like really carving up Joshua and going, right, this is not going to go the 12 rounds. And then that will be that statement performance that puts Usyk at that top table of heavyweights. If, if he can dissect Joshua and stop him and... And not stop him because the ref controversially, no, 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 just stop him. Where people say, no, 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 throw the towel in. That will present an interesting dilemma because all of a sudden, Usyk would be at that top table. Now, whether he replaces Joshua or joins him would be an interesting point to discuss. I think he'd replace him. I think if Joshua gets stopped in this fight, it's hard to come back. And Johnny Nelson was right in that sense. It's going to be hard to come back because that would be two losses and that would be what three losses in your last five you can't be highly ranked after that so you'd have to move down into the middle of the rankings and work your way up now does Joshua want to have to fight guys like Hergovic to win belts again I don't know does he have to fight a guy like Yoka to rebuild his confidence if were he to lose I don't know but I can say this the struggle will be real for him does he need that? You're a millionaire many times over. You're probably worth 100, 120 million now. Do you need the hassle? When you could be spending the rest of your days chilling on the Meridian estate, do you need that hassle? Probably not. And that's, that's where we come to. When you get to fights like this, 
And if you remember, after the thrill in Manila, Frazier was in the wilderness for a bit. Couldn't really, never really rebuilt after that. Rumble in the Jungle, Foreman never really rebuilt after that. Yes, he came back, but never really rebuilt. When Ali lost to Frazier in 71, it took years to rebuild. Like, we don't know what happened between the first and second Ali Frazier fights. We don't really zero in on that. And Ali didn't fight for a world title for three years after he lost to Frazier the first time. Well, the only time. He didn't fight for the world title for three years. So the stakes are high. And it's not just that they're high for AJ, but they're high for a lot of people because if this goes wrong again, we've got to start looking at that whole setup. Was McCracken right all along that you had a lot of people in there who didn't know what they were talking about? You know, what's the head of boxing operations, KD? Does he really know what he's on about? I don't think so. They've got things wrong so many times. That's why we're here. Because they got things so horribly wrong. We're going to find out if the Angel Fernandez approach works. We're going to find out if Roberto Garcia can add value to a big man. All of this stuff is going to become important. But I have a feeling if Joshua loses, he might have to go to McCracken and say, I'm sorry. Let's start from scratch and let's just do what we do, Rob. Yeah, because that's what works. And deep down, that's all that Joshua trusts. All these aspirations to be a slick boxer and to be this Ali-type fight, whatever. Strip it all down. What Joshua trusts is a McCracken approach. I hope he wins. But if he doesn't, it'll be due to the stuff that I've been highlighting for years. He doesn't have people around him who could elevate who could create an elite environment. I remember they were talking about buying a building and just having that as Joshua's training base somewhere like in Hertfordshire and he'd just have a training base there. And I thought they were advanced in those plans. They were definitely talking about buying, I think they bought the property. Whether they've converted it into a gym, I don't know. But that was the plan, to kind of replicate EIS somewhere that's not the EIS. But all that stuff will be in the bin if this goes wrong. As for Usyk, Usyk will be 35. If he wins, he, he just needs to call out Wild and call out Fury and he's done. And people say to me, oh, he doesn't need to fight Wilder. Yes, he does. Because Wilder poses a completely different problem than Joshua does. And Wilder has no problem with putting Southpaws to sleep with uppercuts and hooks. Remember that. I'm not saying he'd win. But it's a fight that Usyk would have to go through to, to get that Hall of Fame status for me. Because, like I said, that cruiserweight run, we can't rate it. And I'm going to say this is why we can't rate it. Nothing came after that. For Usyk, yeah, Usyk unified, fought Bellew, fine. Fought Chaz Witherspoon, fought Chisora, beat Joshua, right? Usyk went on to elevate. Braid has turned out to be not very good. Um, guys like Glavatsky turned out to be not very good. Gassiev just turned out to be broken. And so we're like, well, what have these guys gone on to do? That's the issue I have with it. When we look at like all-time greats, Andre Ward beat Carl Froch. Carl Froch went on to do amazing things after that. You know, Carl beats George Groves. George goes on to be a world champion. 
Carl beats Lucy and Butte. Butte goes on to be a top level super mid and even light heavy. So their records are cemented. You can say the same with Floyd. Floyd beats Costa. Costa goes on to be a middleweight champion. That's my that's my benchmark for greatness. And so it's not an Usyk discussion. Usyk has to beat someone we can put in that discussion for the Hall of Fame. And he's, he hasn't done that yet. That's why he needs a Fury fight. That's why he needs the Wilder fight. I'm not saying they're in the discussion for Hall of Fame. They might be one day. But that's why these fights need to happen. And I, luckily, Usyk doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to let politics get in the way of those fights. So all I can say is to all the people who listen to this in Saudi, enjoy fight week. Um, you've got better weather than we've got right now. Enjoy fight week. Make memories. Have fun. To all the people in the UK listening, just look forward to Saturday. Let's enjoy it. Um, may the best man win. I want Team Joshua to win. Other people want Team Usyk to win. I'm not that tribal about it. So here's what I'd say. May the best man win. Let's just get a classic fight. You know, let's get some action. And then, you know, we get to talk about it, right? And I know, let me tap out and say thank you guys for listening. Um, it's very hard to talk about a fight that doesn't, on paper, feel as competitive as it should be. But we got there. And the truth is, there's a lot of stuff that Joshua could do to win. Now, whether he chooses to or not is a completely different matter. And on that note, I'll say take care and, you know, tune into the next one. <laughs>